0: Story Speaks Podcast. I'm your host Andrea Miller. My guest today is Nicole Nordeman. Nicole is a nine-time Dove Award-winning singer-songwriter. She's won Female Artist of the Year twice, and she's had over a million album sales during her career. She calls herself a wrestling poet, and her songs beautifully reflect this. Today Nicole and I talk about everything from motherhood to seasons of faith deconstruction. We also talk about the hardest time in her story at the height of her career she was literally one of the biggest names in Christian music, Nicole made the decision to step away from it all to focus on mending her marriage and raising her babies. After a 10-year hiatus, she came back to music, and even though her marriage did not survive, she sees how the Lord used the hardest chapters of her story to take her from a place of isolation and loss to acceptance and strength. As Nicole says, as hard as it was to start over, a lot of beauty came from those ashes. For joining me today on the Her Story Speaks podcast,
1: I'm so happy to be with you. Thank you for having me.
0: Absolutely, and I am just thrilled. I have been, it sounds silly to say, I've been a fan of yours for like forever, and uh, thank you. my kids and my husband are too, so I'm just really humbled to get to talk to you today. Oh, and thank you so much. I didn't know, I mean, I guess listening to your music, we know your some of your story, but I didn't know a lot of specifics of it. So I'm just excited to hear more about that today. So I'll start out with the like introduction of like kind of the resume who you are, (laughs) nine time Dove award-winning singer, songwriter, and an author. And you've been the female artist of the year twice and you've had over a million album sales. So Mm -hmm. that is just
1: awesome and incredible. Thank Uh, you. It's, it's so, um, it sounds cliche, but I really, I really do wake up and pinch myself every day that I still get to do what I love to do, that I'm still getting to make music. And, um, it's just an, it's a total privilege to get to do what I love.
0: Yeah. And I mean, you're a mom. And so is like, does that just seem like kind of another, like, is that really me too? Like both of those <laughs> two sides, like, I'm sure that's kind of a balancing act.
1: Oh, it it is a balancing act. I don't know if it's any different than any other working mom who's trying to balance. Um, Maybe some, some, there probably are a few unique things about it, but um, yeah, I, you know, I feel so, my family life is um, my first identity. So I never have really felt confused between when, when am I wearing my artist hat? When am I wearing my mommy hat? Like I'm just, I always feel like the two have lived together pretty authentically for a long time, so it doesn't feel like wearing two hats. It just feels like a, a whole person, and all of it's a part of me.
0: Yeah, and we'll talk about that because you did take off that a ten-year chunk of
1: mm-hmm.
0: your career to focus on your kids and family. So mm-hmm. we'll dive into that in a little bit. So going back to who you are, like we said, you're a mom. But just tell us, kind of in a nutshell, like who you are, like in your day-to-day life, where mm-hmm. you live, how many kids, all that fun stuff. Yeah.
1: So. I live in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and I have two kiddos. um, Charlie just turned 16, son, in July. So he has his license now, and so when he wants to just pray for the state of Oklahoma, that would be great.
0: I have got a 16-year-old uh, too, Nicole, yeah. <laughs> and we're in Oklahoma, Tulsa, too, so oh you know gosh. they're out there.
1: <laughs> <sighs> they're out there. Oh, man. And so I have a daughter also who um, will be 11 next month. Okay. Um, this is Pepper. And they are just, you know, anyone who has kids, like, I don't have to say this, they, they are the light of my lives. They're so, so much fun. We're in that season of life that is incredibly busy. I feel like a sort of a taxi driver. I'm just uh-huh. shuttling from, from activity to activity. But um, I just feel so incredibly fulfilled. I really do. My, my plate is full, but my heart is also
0: I feel the same way. My kids are exact same age as yours. And Uh I mean, I love this age and I just wanted to stay for a long time. I know,
1: I know. (laughs) You know, having big kids is so, um, it's just so much fun when they turn into people that you can have like real conversations with and share real laughter and jokes with. And, you know, for so long we had to sort of, you know, make it for, for little, little ones, you know, and it's just nice to to be able to converse with big kids cuz they get it yeah, at last
0: it, <laughs> they really do and I will tell you, my eyes are so puffy this morning from watching your slow down song video Whoa. because that's with my 16-year-old. Like, I can't even handle it now. I like, know. she's graduating a year early and going to be leaving. <gasps> I'm like, I can't do this. Like, oh my gosh. ah, and just yeah. talking to her last night because she got home from the mission trip. I'm like, no. Like, so yeah. your song, like, I'm going to cry right now. Goodness. Like, I know, I know. No, so, like, you articulated that so well in that song. And I feel like that's been at the age we're in when they start getting, like, up there in high school. Like,
1: oh, I know. Please. One of my friends who has kids a little bit older than me just said you know basically just wait because once they once they do hit high school it is Uh, the speed it just flies I mean it goes fast anyway but high for some reason high school it's like I don't know it just I agree I think it's I think
0: it's that license thing too because they're they're that freedom they're gone a
1: lot and independent Mm -hmm. okay don't
0: get started on this but I can play too
1: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I know. I'm right there with you. It's, uh, it's so hard. It's so, so hard. And there's no like, oh, well, here's five steps to make it easier. Like there's nothing to make it easier. It just is what it is. It's
0: no. Painful. And it's like, it's a reminder, like what the role the Lord has given us, like to prepare them to yeah, go out right. to the world. And it's like, it's, it seems like such a far off concept, but it's like, that's what we're doing every day. And that's what the goal is okay. to get them to serve the Lord and be self-sufficient. That's right. That's exactly and, right. Ah, Okay, we'll we'll quit talking about our children and parenting, but um, yeah, yeah, I'm right there with you. So let's go back (laughs) to your story, like you as a child, where (laughs) until and then how we got to this point. So where you grew up, did you know you wanted to be in music? Just did you grow up in the church? Kind of those things of what started your story.
1: Mm -hmm. So I uh, did grow up in the church. I grew up in Colorado Springs um, and I just took my kids back there uh, last week to visit still very much feels like home to me. But I, I grew up um, as a church girl and my parents were both very committed Christians. I grew up in a Christian school for most of my education. So I was really kind of one of those kids that you would have said was pretty insulated mm-hmm. um, and didn't really know a whole lot of people outside of that very contained bubble that, that didn't share my same beliefs and speak my same sort of Christian language. So, so I sort of, I feel very thankful for that in a way because it created such a foundation for me in terms of knowing Jesus and knowing scripture and um, a very safe sense of community within the church. But also I was totally unprepared for life outside of that. Like college was a disaster because I just, I just thought that my job was to, you know, share the gospel with anyone who didn't know Jesus. And here's how the, here's the five steps that you do, you know, you take to do that and here's the script that you read. And I just was totally not ready for, um, for people who have brokenness and context and, and for my own confusion and my own questions and doubts. So throughout that whole sort of, it wasn't a walking away of faith, but it definitely was like, I wanted to abandon all the easy answers. I didn't want my faith to be my parents' faith or my teacher's faith or my pastor's faith. Like I really didn't know how to make it mine.
0: Right. Was it kind of a deconstruction <laughs> of your faith? I'm guessing.
1: I think that? it was before, yeah. it, before that word was a word. Yeah, Cause
0: it's a thing now. So that's what I'm going through yes. now, but it's a thing now. <laughs> it's a total
1: yeah. thing now and it's a wonderful thing, but mm-hmm. yeah, it was a very early deconstruction for sure. And I think, um, I think that the role that music played in my life was and continues to be kind of the one sometimes very thin thread that would just keep me hanging on to Jesus. Like, even if I, even if I was walking away from all of these, these big ideas or all of, um, you know, the stuff that I had just sort of taken for granted scripturally, I was really examining and some of it I was really struggling with. It was always music that, that tethered me to the Lord did so, you feel
0: like your music was kind of a oh kind of a freedom to like just get it out what you wanted to say where maybe the church wasn't like you could just yes write it was it out absolutely to the Lord. Yeah.
1: where I was working out my salvation yeah. with yeah. a lot of fear and trembling was behind a piano and and none of that was ever intended at the time to be heard by anyone else but me like I didn't have any aspirations to be a singer or be an artist or get a record deal. Like none of that was on my radar. I just, I loved singing. I loved writing. And that was such a, it was like keeping a a diary, like just just me and my journal at my piano, you know, sort of spilling it out before God. So, so music as a career really um, was never something I dreamt about. I, I'm much more you know creative people are oftentimes stereotyped as sort of dreamers and you know they they just wander around with a guitar in their back and and write songs when when the mood strikes and it sort of see the world in um i don't know very yeah. but just through different glasses and i've right. never identified with that that stereotype like i've always been more linear i like pre- predictability i like a 401k <laughs> right right so, uh, being an artist was like no that is not me like I don't right. make. and that's not
0: a secure firm job anyway so no. you know like <laughs> right,
1: right, right right and so I was always when so did happy that start- with, with the, the way the role that music was playing in my life was enough for me like playing at my yeah. church once in a while and writing these songs just for me myself and God that was great so I all these opportunities kept opening up for me and I just kept saying no like hmm. I would meet people who would say hey i I've got a person who lives in LA, and he's interested in. You know, he heard your your cassette tape, and he's interested in talking to you. And I say, no, I'm okay. Like honestly, these doors were opening and opening, and I was just walking right past them. Mm -hmm. So it it really was. um, I was living in Los Angeles. I was had finished my degree in psychology. I moved out there with a girlfriend of mine just to, I don't know, just find ourselves, wait tables figure out if I wanted to do music. I did I knew, I knew it was LA, New York or Nashville and I didn't know anybody in New York or Nashville. So LA okay. made the most sense. A lot of family out there. So yeah, um, I got a flyer in the mail from, from a friend who also used to be at my worship pastor. And he said, Hey, there's a contest in your area for Christian songwriters. You should enter it if nothing else, just to meet some more Christians in the area or maybe find a church. And I was like, okay. So I, I entered, and it, it turned out to be more of a scouting event by major labels that were visiting from Nashville. Okay. And that was that was the that was the final door that opened. I won the contest, and I started a relationship wow. with the guy who signed me. And um, I, I think at that point, Andrea, I was just tired. I was tired of of not acknowledging this is the path that God has called yeah. you to, and He's not going to stop pursuing you. Yeah.
0: So, he really,
1: he really did. Like that is what he yeah. had for you. Yeah. So I just sort of, you know, people always ask me, well, how did you know you were called? And I, I never have an aspiring answer because I don't feel like I was called. I feel like I just got tired of of saying no. And when I, when I said yes, then it made sense.
0: So the door opened for you then, and then your first album you released in 98. So how much longer was that after...
1: Um, probably about a year and a half. I, I, I stayed in LA for a while and I just sent him songs. We corresponded back and forth. This is literally before email or before I had email anyway. Okay. And so we're sending stuff in the mail. Like here's a cassette that I made, you know, my little piano. Um, and he sort of just developed me as a writer that way for a while. And then when it felt right, he said, if you, if you're ready, we'd love to have you come and Moved to Nashville and and sign a deal. So that was that was probably about a year and a half after that contest. Wow! Okay. Yeah, that's all God
0: because that's not an easy road and an easy line to get no. into. I mean, my gosh! So no. that God clearly opened that door. First album in '98, and mm-hmm. then you continued to live in Nashville and work in the uh, music industry, right? Uh huh. Uh-huh. I then, was there
1: for several years, and I was just doing the the new artist thing. Um, you know, just saying yes to every tour, big and small, every opportunity, just paying all the dues. I, it's funny, I, I love Nashville, but I feel like when I lived there, I didn't live there because it was just come home from one tour, do some real quick laundry and get back on another tour bus and head out for the next one. So that season was very, very busy, but um, but I loved it. I loved it because I finally was doing what I was supposed to be doing.
0: So did you feel a freedom or was that taken away to be honest and who you were and still wrestle with God in your music? Or did you feel start to feel more stifled with that and not as much freedom?
1: You know, I can honestly say, and I know that this is really rare. I've learned since I never felt stifled. I think because I think because my music held so many questions and doubts and so much wrestling, I think that's sort of what I was known for from the beginning that was never my intention, it was just like, well, this is just where I am in my faith. Right. I wasn't right. listening to Christian music at the time, so I didn't know anything about what the rules were or what makes a radio hit or what the expectations were. I just didn't even know the genre. Right. So I really just came with these handful of songs like, well, this is what I'm dealing with. And it's yeah. it's within the faith context, but there's a lot of loose ends. And, and I think – because people connected with that that sort of became what they expected maybe from me
0: yeah absolutely i would say that and just going through your songs and listening it's like yeah and i'm sure do you hear like oh that's what i was going through at my time that time in my life
1: oh that- absolutely yeah. i tell people all the time that being a songwriter is like is like keeping a journal because you you can always go back i can still go back and listen to a song i wrote 15 years ago and and like with a, with a lot of music you're just transported right back to where I was during that season, what I was dealing with for better or worse, you know? Um, so yeah, it's very much, it's, it's a record of my journey.
0: Yeah. And so during that time, you had your children, got married. Yes. Um, and then you moved to Texas,
1: right? You didn't yeah. stay in
0: Nashville. Okay.
1: No. Um, my husband was living in Dallas we met, I was on a tour through Dallas and some mutual friends introduced us. And so we dated for 20 minutes, it felt like, and then I moved <laughs> to Dallas <laughs> and got married six months later. Um, okay. So that's where I was for 10 years. That's okay. where both of my kiddos were born. I, that was the whole season where I stopped making music. My, my marriage was um, really, really broken from the beginning we were just two people who did not take any time to know each other. Yeah. And so from day one, and there's, there was no scandal or story or anything, you know, gossip yeah. worthy. It was just, it was just a really, really emotionally, um, broken thing. Yeah. And so from day one, it was counseling and Oh gosh, what have I done? And, and so we, we gutted it out for ten years with a lot of tears and a lot of prayer and a lot of counseling and I knew right after Charlie was born, I was like I, I just knew i couldn't I couldn't be an artist and and be at home still to really focus. I wanted to be a mom at home, but I also wanted to try and heal this marriage and I couldn't do that when I was in between tours or in between right. records. So because right, I
0: mean marriage is so hard as you know I mean it's it's the hardest thing I've done yeah. I mean I've, we've been married 21 years but huh, we, we would yeah. both say about five have been good yeah. <laughs> so, but yeah. I mean we're really transparent we've marriage has been really hard for us and so Absolutely. I can't even imagine you being on tour and in that industry so that's when in 2005 after brave mm-hmm. release mm-hmm. you you're like I'm staying home so you're at the height of your career yeah. Yeah, and it, you're was. Just, it was. It yeah, was actually so the t-
1: morning after I won a bunch of Dove awards at the at the oh. Dove's in Nashville, and I I was so miserable, Andrew, because I I was starting to notice myself being so phony from stage. Um, I was actually giving interviews about marriage and you know uh, and tips to keep it strong and healthy and like yeah. and it was oh it was so hard to even look in the mirror because I knew how unbelievably broken my own life was at that point. So I, I, the morning after the devil words, I took um, my manager to coffee and I just said, I'm so sorry, this is going to be a really unpopular decision. Cause at that point it was at the height of things for me career wise. And, and when that happens, you've had a whole team of people working for and with you to get you to a certain place, to get you radio play, to get albums sold, to get you on big tours. So it was a huge team effort for years, and we were just starting to see the fruit of some of that. And then at that moment, I'm going to say, I'm out, you know, I'm literally, I'm not slowing down. I'm not phasing out. I'm stopping. Yeah. And so I'm sure you
0: just felt such a burden of letting Um, people down. I was awful. It was
1: awful. And he was so kind. Uh, I'm sure there were, there was a lot more disappointment behind closed doors, but to me, he was so dear. And so was... So was the president of my record label. He, I remember specifically him saying, if we don't bless your decision to stay home and focus on healing your family and, on, and being home with your children and your husband, and God's made that very clear to you, if we don't bless that, then we have no business making Christian music. Yeah, that's and huge. He said, he said Oh, so huge. And he said, when you're ready to, to make songs again, we're just going to put your contract over here on the shelf. And when, when and if you're ready we'll just dust it off and, and keep going. So did, such a gift.
0: Yes. And did you feel like going back to what you said, like you just felt like a phony, like you're talking about marriage and giving uh-huh. marriage advice, but no, you weren't like, when did you start to feel a release from that? Cause I think that's the hardest thing, like being a Christian yeah. and like, I was working in a church back in Iowa when I was, Mm. our marriage was the worst acting like you acting like everything was fine and great, Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. it's like, we have that pressure, but when did you start to feel like a release of that or how did God work on you during that time to let that
1: go? Well, I think I felt immediate relief because, because I got off the road and I was no longer, you know, the message had been sent um, through management and booking and there were no more interviews. It was, She's taking time off indefinitely to be home. And so I I wasn't having to be phony anymore. I could, it just felt like taking off a sweater that was too tight and itchy and just now I had, I still had some very real, um, brokenness to face, but now I didn't have to do it behind a mask of everything's great. Praise the Lord, you know? Right. And it's amazing. Like.
0: God used that time yes for you to stay with your kids and be a mom but it sounds like really to work on yourself as well and to get oh, real with who you are and who God made you to
1: be and all Absolutely of that. just to remember remember who I am who before all of this before all the attention and that you know it has a way of really sneaking up on you it's not like you wake up one day on a stage and you're somebody else it's it's very slow and it's very subtle and it's a very you start to really learn what people want to hear. Mm-hmm. Um, I have said things from stage that are so cringeworthy that I'd never would have said before and wouldn't say now, but I knew, I knew my audience really well and I've always been good about sort of being a chameleon. Mm-hmm. Um, so I knew what they wanted to hear on any certain topic. Oh, same was true in interviews. Like that stuff is just a slow, slow sort of creeping up on you metamorphosis where you, and then you do wake up and go, Oh my gosh, what am I, what am I even talking about? I have yeah. no business giving marriage advice. I have, I don't feel that way politically. I don't, I don't identify with that philosophy or theology, but, but here I am collecting a paycheck and saying all the things I'm supposed to say. And it's, yeah. Oh, that's such a dark moment. <laughs> it is, but yeah, it's like how
0: the Lord used that to give you, what to write about and to make yes. you like so many of your songs so mm-hmm. you see your real raw self that mm-hmm. came out after that 10 year break. And I think that's just, um, yeah. credit to the Lord, how he uses that. And so during that time you did work on your marriage, but, mm-hmm. um, it did not survive. And so that's how right. did you wrestle with that as, you know, a Christian woman and what you had for, pre- like, was it as probably wasn't as public because you wore out of the limelight, but was that still, hard yeah. To-
1: you to wrestle with oh without a doubt I mean divorce is devastating and no one ever thinks it's going to be their story no yeah. one ever stands in a pretty dress at the front of a church and imagines that one day it'll all be over um, it was devastating and and uh, we had just moved to Tulsa um, my husband grew up here so he has a, a strong family support system here and 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 I wanted our kids to grow up to around Cousins and aunts and uncles and Dallas was just—we were right in the heart of downtown, and we were sort of isolated from um, family and support. And so it, it felt right to me. It also was sort of the last ditch effort to maybe starting over someplace and sure. wiping the slate totally clean. Maybe this will be the magic bullet. Um, and it wasn't. So so when we divorced, I you know I was kind of not kind of I was totally starting over in a new city where I didn't know anyone except my (laughs) in-laws yeah, Um, that was really hard. But, um, but it was also really looking back, I can see that it was what God needed to do to sort of get me to himself. Like I would have, if I'd stayed in Dallas, I would have distracted myself with my friends and whatever else, just to sort of keep the pain at bay. There was nothing to distract myself with. in Tulsa. I was very, very alone. And part of that included a pretty rock bottom depression, but it was also where I really, really finally met Jesus again in Mm -hmm. in the most authentic way, not in the way that I had been speaking or talking or acting for the last 10 years. So, so I I look back now with a lot of gratitude for that season.
0: Yeah. And you hear like that, your song, Every Mile Mattered. I mean, so many of them. I mean, I think that's why like your songs just hit such a hardcore because it's like, we can relate in these hard lives. And Jesus yeah. is not found in those mountaintops or performances. It's like found of you just being down to your raw bare minimum and aiding right. him so desperately. So how did you, so your song, you came back in 2015, right? So 2005, 10 years later, 2015 is mm-hmm. when you decided like, you know what, I think I'm ready to do this again. How did you know that? Do you feel like God just said like, it's, it's time?
1: you know, I didn't, I didn't get like the big (laughs) uh, message written on the wall, but I, I, I started wanting to make music again for the first time. Like it was the desire came back. And so I thought, well, if this is right, then I'm going to know immediately once I, once I get into the process, once once I start talking about making a record, once I start writing songs, like I'm going to know pretty quickly. Oh, nope. I'm not ready for this. Or this feels really good and this feels really right. So that that's really what it was. I just put my toe in the water and then a little bit more and a little bit more. And I, and it felt so wonderful. And it, I felt so healed up. Mm. Um, I, I don't think you're, you're ever really totally healed from that. I think we all sort of walk with different limps um, always, but, but I felt my heart felt whole again and I felt ready to, and a lot, I had a lot to say too.
0: Yeah, you really did. It. And this, and this time you're doing it as a single mom. Right. Right.
1: Yeah. And- yeah. And that, I had to really work past, like, I'm trying to remember, I think I, I think I did make an announcement on Facebook, you know, just something brief about the sadness of our marriage ending. And thank you for respecting privacy and all that. And I did help hold my breath because even though I'd been out of the industry for 10 years, I still really cared what people think. And I, I have always been a people pleaser. I I have received so many letters over the years from from women whose own marriages were broken and my music really helped them at a certain season, or from women who've said, Oh, you're such a role model for my daughter. You know, all the yeah. all of the sort of role model comments just felt like such crushing weight at that point because I felt like I was letting total strangers down that we're going to be disappointed. And I, I cannot even begin to tell you, Andrea, how, how much grace I found Mm -hmm. in, in my fans and followers. Like it was just people were scrambling over each other to, to say, we love you. We're here for you. We're sorry. You know? And so many people said, Oh, me too. I've been there. I've traveled that journey. Like, the number of divorced people who reached out was just so unbelievably healing to me.
0: And isn't that just an example? I mean, we put, I'm a perfectionist people pleaser too. We put ourselves on these pedestals that thinking we have to be all this model of perfection and people just crave like the real authentic, like you feel like you're not alone. And that's what God taught me through my time too. Like, Mm he's not asking, he's the perfect one, not, not us. And, That's right. That's right. And so that is just your, your example is just so, such a perfect example of that. Mm-hmm. So your first song coming back from that was, or was the unmaking. Yeah. The song, right. Yeah. And so uh, listening, I love preparing for this interview with you because usually I'm reading somebody's book, which you do have a book, but just listening through all your old mm-hmm. songs and your songs. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, like mm-hmm. I, you're just, you so good. So talk a little bit about that song and um, some of the, like one of the lines that I had to lose myself to find out who you are yeah. and
1: just
0: tell us a little bit about that song and the story. Yeah, that
1: it. was definitely the song, you know, the first single and the and the title track off the EP that I made after that long, long season. And it, it, it very much is about, you know, what it says. It's about mm-hmm. um, for me, my marriage was this structure that I had been holding up and holding up and holding up. And as we so often do with things in our lives that are falling apart, but we don't, we don't want anyone to know. So as long as we can sort of hold it up from behind and make it decent enough to have, you know, so the neighbors can wave as they drive by and it looks okay from the curb. Um, I was just, too, I was too tired. I couldn't hold yeah. it up anymore. It was literally falling apart in huge chunks and I had been propping it up and gluing it and taping it and doing whatever I could just to, we're fine. We're fine. Yeah. And you know, the unmaking was just about the day that you say, nope, this is coming down. Like yeah. I can't, I can't sustain this anymore. I can't smile anymore. And that's true. Not, I, I think not just of marriages that have been broken, but for anybody who's held anything up and, yeah. and sort of just smiled and faked it, a health thing or a job thing or a financial thing or a psychological right. thing, anything. Right. Um, it's so terrifying and so liberating the moment that we decide, nope, I can't fake it one more day. I can't. This is, I don't know if anybody's going to be sitting in this rubble with me, but I know Jesus will be. And that's the only thing I can care about right now. So here we go, you know.
0: Yeah, so good. And as moms, I think especially. We do that yeah. a lot. Like, oh, for sure. Especially with the fa- Instagram Facebook world. Like, we're great, mm-hmm. everything's great. Everything's and it's awesome. Yeah. And so um your song is just so real and authentic with like, no, it's not and it's okay that it's not. That's right. So your song going quickly and we'll talk about the concert at the at the end sure, that we'll yeah. have, we're having an Tulsa area this weekend but Yay. and I know in your in your songs and your concerts that you tell a little bit about your songs and the stories behind yeah. them so yeah. I would love to hear have you tell everyone but I know this weekend we'll talk more about that so the song Slow Down which like I mentioned the beginning like I was just bawling crying <laughs> so that's speaking of being a mom and tell us I know but tell people listening how that song came about which is if you have not seen the video which over 30 million views so you likely people <laughs> have seen the video, but, um, tell us how that one came about. Cause that's such a cool story with just yeah. being a mom and how you wrote that one.
1: Well, um, so Charlie and Pepper, my kids go to a, a Christian school here in Tulsa called Metro Christian. And, and, um, he was graduating from the fifth grade several years ago. And I, I knew that it would be like a pretty important sort of milestone. Cause you know, that's the elementary's over and you're heading to middle yes. school and so our school has a very small little fifth grade sort of graduation ceremony for the classes and i had asked his teacher if i could sing something which is so fun it's so not like me because i never i never ask to sing if anyone asks me and then i am almost always happy to oblige but there, that school is very very sensitive and good about not ever asking me to do stuff. Like they just let me be a mom. So it was funny that I reached out and said, Hey, I think it'd be special to sing a song at this graduation if you'd let me. And they were like, sure. So then I kind of forgot that I had offered and um, I was just busy. Life got crazy. And I like a couple nights before the graduation, I was like, Oh my gosh, I've, heard, I've got to sing something, and then I t- totally panicked because that age group. I mean, like if you ever just want to really know how uncool you really are,
0: uh-huh. yeah,
1: hang out with a bunch of middle schoolers. So I was like, what can I? What? What am I going to sing that doesn't embarrass Charlie? That will somehow be meaningful to these kids? I just I was kicking myself. Like, right. why did I, Why did I agree to do this? So I sat down on my piano and I was going to sing another song called Legacy. That's the closest thing I could find to sort of marking the moment, I guess. And then I just started taking a trip down memory lane. I wrote about this Mm -hmm. in my book a little bit. Like pretty soon I had photo albums out and was looking at pictures of him taking his first steps and his first tooth coming in and all these firsts. And I just, it got so ugly. Like I was just (laughs) boxes of Kleenex. and. And so I literally just said, I'm going to write something. I'm just going to write, see, just see what comes out. And I sat down and, and wrote slow down kind of in that moment, just sobbed my way through every single lyric and managed to play it at the graduation the next day. Um, and then I thought, I really thought that's where it would end. It was for him. It was for his friends and teachers and parents. And then I had so many people say to me after that, um you should record that like that song needs a bigger life than the fifth grade graduation. So it took some convincing but um it really does connected in a way that I could never have imagined.
0: Oh it so does. I mean like a tear up again thinking about it. We'll put the <laughs> link to that on the show notes if you haven't seen or want to it, watch it again because it's so oh, you mm-hmm. articulate so well what's mm-hmm. and motherhood is hard like I just wanted all the young moms to watch that, it oh just, yeah, like, We think those years are gonna last forever. oh and I know when you're I in know. it, you just don't know. and so it's like, oh just soak it in. and so the book slow down did you wrote you wrote that after the
1: song? Is that correct? Yep, I wrote okay. that after the song, and it's really just a collection of essays about my own my own experience as a mom and and then I pulled in you know some other authors and writers um and artists who are also moms whose parenting I admire and they contributed little stories within the, the book too. So it's really it's
0: special. A, It is. And it's a beautiful <clears throat> book and you leave room for journaling and we'll put a, with holidays coming up, like that would be such a perfect yeah, sure. Christmas gift. So we'll put a link to that as well. And so what would you say to young moms who like, or single moms even that are balancing like hard years of kids yeah. or work, all of that? Like, what is your biggest takeaway you think when you look back?
1: You know, I, this sounds cliche, but I don't know how else to say it. Like just to try to really be present, Yeah. to be so present, even, even be present when it's awful Mm -hmm. because um, I spent so many years and I think we all do like just trying to hurry them up to the next milestone. Like, well, as soon as, as soon as I'm done breastfeeding, I'll have some freedom back. Well, as soon as as soon as they sleep through the night, I'll have some freedom back. As soon as they, start to walk and talk, I'll have some freedom, bet. once they start Mother's Day out, I'll finally have a minute of freedom, you know, we're always looking to the horizon, like, when is the next thing that they will accomplish that will allow me to be a person again, and have some independence again, and then it is just painfully true that you, you blink, and it is gone, and then, and now for you and I, with the kids, the ages that we have, it's like, oh my gosh, what I wouldn't give, what I would uh, not give for my biggest problem to be diapers right now. I know. You know, or the hardest conversation is which cartoon are we going to watch? Like, yeah, just to go back um, and just really, really, really cherish all of the even sleepless, difficult moments. So that is my advice to new moms is don't rush through this season. It, it does go too fast and you'll never get it back. You will never get it back.
0: Yeah, I will agree. Like, I think we spend so, like you just said, so many years, like, just get us to that next but but this this is it, though. This is what you're supposed to be enjoying and loving, and you won't get it back. That's right. So your other song I want to talk about that (laughs) I can't keep a dry eye with either. I was watching (laughs) with my 16-year-old this morning because she just got back. Oh, she's, like, years ahead of where – uh, she just I admire her so much. She Isn't just that has, weird
1: how our kids oh gosh. are so much older and wiser than we were at that age? I'm feeling that too. Uh,
0: so I, I don't even know. I mean she's really what started me on this like road of like what I thought I believed and knew to be true and then mm. questioning like these. Wow. oh these in the box beliefs of love and who's at the yeah. table and who's not. So yep. she has just seen a lot and done a lot in her 16 years. So I had her watch that song this morning and she was just like watch listen to it watch the video mm. and listen cuz i listened to it several times and i'm like oh my gosh this is what this child has taught me
1: Are you talking it's, about Dear Me? Yes sorry. Me. That's I okay.
0: I it. Yes, Dear Me. You knew without me saying. Yeah, yes.
1: yeah. yeah. Like I, I told my husband
0: this morning i'm like that's my new favorite song ever. Mm. Like love it so much. So mm-hmm. t- i've only i know the story because i've read and researched but tell tell the story behind that and where that song comes from what place in your heart.
1: Well, the story I mean, that song, it really just does encapsulate my whole journey from from growing up as a, a pretty sheltered church kid to who I am now. Um, and you said it so beautifully a minute ago, like it is my life, my, my definition of who my neighbor is and who's at the table has changed so radically. Mm-hmm. Um, when I was a, a high school senior, our teacher, handed out some blank pieces of paper and asked us to write letters to our future selves in 10 years, okay. which was hilarious as, you know, 18 year olds, like just predict who you, where you're, where you be and marriage and family and, you know, a little bit of what you know to be true about the world and how you see your faith and all these things. And then he mailed them to us. I don't know how, but he found everybody's address and sent us all these letters 10 years later, which was really fun. It was just yeah. so fun to open up and see your 18 year old handwriting, you know, and just, so much head shaking, but but this is kind of this letter to myself was was the very opposite of that. I wanted to write a letter to my younger self, um, to the to the girl like all those miles behind in my rearview mirror, and and to tell her with with kindness and compassion because she could not have known certain things until she experienced them herself. Yeah. Um, just to tell her what, what's different, like what I wish that I had known then that I do now and how my faith is different, how the way I love Jesus is different, the way I love and identify my neighbors is different. Like just to talk to her a little bit about what's ahead, like here's what's coming and you're gonna get there eventually and don't feel shame and don't feel rushed, but this is, this is where you'll be. Um, it was a really healing exercise
0: i can imagine and to have like just the compassion cuz i think we yeah. can look back at least i can't be like how did i think that or how did i judge why did i can't believe i judged so harshly you know
1: like i know i went through a season where kind of around the time of writing that song where i really i was so upset at things that i used to say and believe and i wanted to like actively find people that i hadn't seen in 20 years mm-hmm. and say i'm sorry I didn't know. I'm so sorry. I remember that conversation. I remember the look on your face. And I, I know the words that came out of my mouth were hurtful. And I'm so sorry. Mm -hmm. So this, this song, I think, was in place of the ability to contact all those people, you know, it was just kind of my stake in the ground. Like, I, I get it now. I get it. I get it. I get it. And one of the lines
0: I'm going to, I mean, I could quote so many, but I just love this. It says, "You you you sing, you write, you cannot imagine all the places you'll see Jesus, but you'll find him everywhere you thought he wasn't supposed to go. Mm-hmm. And then you also say, sit at all the tables because Jesus eats with everyone. Yeah. I mean, I could cry saying it. I'm yeah. like, ah, oh, Nicole, like mm-hmm. what? Like, was that a long process for you to get there or was it just like an aha moment or were you always kind of deconstructing? Cause I'm, like I said, I'm in that phase right now, yeah. like pretty hardcore. And I'm just like, oh, I'm fascinated. Yeah. Like that's part of your story too.
1: Yeah. Um, it wasn't an aha moment. I think it was just a series of, of ahas over many years. Um, you know, now there is such a growing and such a safe place for progressive Christians. Yes. Um, thank the Lord Mm -hmm. for that. Um, authors and pastors and artists who are finding each other, um, in this sort of movement. And there, there, there was not always that safe place. And I felt like when I began deconstructing, it felt very lonely to me when I started asking questions um, I did I didn't have that. So, so there's, I, I'm really, really grateful for where we are in this particular time and place.
0: I would agree. I mean, I feel like it's like you I live in Tulsa. We moved here yeah. five and a half years ago and it's, I honestly think living here is what started my deconstruction. Like, yeah. I can see oh, that. So it's like, it's been, challenging living here because i think it's (laughs) Mm -hmm. it's interesting that's a whole Mm -hmm. other topic show but Mm -hmm. i was just so it's interesting to me that you also live in tulsa but you've kind of walking through it more before you got to this area yeah but you're right there are a lot of safe places and pastors and preachers and why do you think it is becoming this is again a little off topic but
1: i'm curious why do
0: you think it is becoming more of quote a thing like deconstruction is a word now like why are we just feeling safer what what do you think that's about
1: I don't know. You know, I think there's always a couple really brave trailblazers that step yeah. out first. Um, and I think, I think anytime that happens and then you have this swell of people who say, Oh my gosh, I thought I was the only one. Oh my gosh, yes. I've been wrestling with this for years. I didn't know how to put words to it. I didn't know how to, to wrap scripture around it. You know, it always takes a couple few, uh, brave souls, I think. And so I, you know, Jen Hatmaker was one of those people for me, um, in recent me too. Years. She, yes. yeah, she kind of <laughs> just, in a, in a lot of ways was a bit of a sacrificial lamb because it cost yeah. her dearly. You're right. You're right. But it paved the way for a lot of us to say, Oh my gosh, I'm not, I'm not alone.
0: You're so right. Yeah. I just got chills for what you yeah. said about her. Cause you're right. She really was. So
1: yeah. and there's a lot of people out there too that have been doing that. Sarah's one of them, Rachel held Evans, of course, yes. one of them. Um, there's a lot, and there's a lot of men also who are carrying the torch and, and, and here's what I really think, Andrea, that is so critical in these times is, is that, that we, in our, in our reconstruction, Mm -hmm. that we, that we stay really tender and full of grace for people who aren't there. Yeah. Because I look back at 25 year old Nicole and 18 year old Nicole, and um I was rigid in my beliefs and in and, and, um in and the way that I read the Bible and the way that I interact with my neighbor. I was I was um unkind often and I was absolutely speaking from very real convictions. Like this is absolutely how I believed. And and so I've come a long way and I, I just want to be so careful of so much grace for people and for entire churches Agree. who yes. are on the journey. They're not, you know, and that doesn't, that is not at all to say, well, I'm so woke. It's not that it's right. It's, I'm at a different place, but I see you back there asking the same questions. I see your, so- I see God softening your heart. I see your table getting bigger. Um, and I, I just want to have all kinds of love and support for people who are just on the path.
0: Agree. Yeah.
1: And I I feel like there's right now, there's a bit of a, hey, you're either in this camp or you're not in this camp. You either are in this church or you're not in this, you know, and that to me is not. Right. We're doing the exact same thing
0: that we thought we were trying to get out of.
1: It's fundamentalism on the other side. Yep.
0: You're exactly right. And that's such a good point. And I appreciate you saying that. And also your voice of being just real and your questioning in your songs and mm, you. open with your journey. So, mm. I know we got to wrap up here shortly, but going back real quick with the, on the heels of just saying that, what what do you your song legacy uh, another favorite, but mm. how would what would you say now like the legacy you want to leave because that was written years ago and you're in a new place. So, yeah. if, how would you
1: I think that, or add to that? I think that I spent so many years living pretty compartmentalized. Um, I'm really, I'm really prone to that. So like I've got my box of music over here and my box of parenting and my box of marriage and my box of friendship and family and um, all of those things for a long time did not live integrated. Um, and I just feel now, and maybe this is an age thing too, I think something happens in your 40s where you just... That's, that's where I'm at. Caring. I think so. Yeah. <laughs> you stop caring about everybody else's opinion as much. Um, so I, I think my legacy is that I want i want in all of those areas to feel like people would have said I was an authentic person, not that I was putting on a persona or a stage voice or an interview voice or and then you know, my, my kids have said to me, Oh, what did Pepper say? It destroyed me a couple of years ago. Something about you're a different mommy when you're like, she'd come to me with a concert to a concert and I was interacting with people afterwards and signing autographs and taking pictures. And she didn't mean it to be snotty at all. She just said, you're a, di- you're a different mommy when you're wow. working or something. Yeah. And I understood part of that was, well, yeah, I'm not in my sweats, you know, Right. shuffling around the house, d- dusting i'm dressed up and i'm talking professionally and i'm listening and but i I think there was more to it. I think she was talking about my um, just my very persona is different yeah, yeah. so I'm, I just continue to work really hard to fight that, just to be me in every area so that 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 I live a legacy of authenticity that it, people felt like I really that they could trust the God that I point to because they can trust who I am with my life.
0: Mm, that's so good. That's so good, Nicole. And I think our kids continue to put us in that oh, position oh and, man. and really, oh. huh really put us there to yep. our authentic self and confront us when we're not. And that's yep. so good. So tell us about, I know you have a new album coming out, uh, a yes. Christmas one. Have you ever done a Christmas album? Never done a Christmas okay, album. Okay. I didn't think so. And no. so I like, want to make sure of those. So tell us about that when it's released, the songs, all of yeah. that. Yeah.
1: So it's been on my bucket list forever. Um, I just ended my 20 year contract with my record label. So this is my okay. first, this is my first sort of like, Um, venturing out as a new independent artist, which is so terrifying and so exhilarating at the same time. So we, we raised the funds on Kickstarter and um, I've already been working in the studio, um, probably a little more than halfway finished with these songs. Um, I'm writing a handful of originals as well as covering, you know, all of my favorite Mm -hmm. Christmas songs. It's just been so fun. I think we're hoping to release um, first week of December. I'm not like I'm not ready to like name a date yet. Okay. But as we get closer to to meeting deadlines then um then I will. But yeah, that's the hope it is it is the first meeting.
0: Okay, very cool. I Congratulations on that. Thank that's super you. exciting. I'm so excited. And then we'll put links to your website where I'm yes. sure you'll be updating when the cds available we'll put links to your book and some of the songs that we mentioned today and then like i said this saturday you are doing a concert at discovery church in collinsville oklahoma which is real close to tulsa yeah tickets are still available so we'll put links to that and you'll be singing all all just a conglomeration of all your songs right okay
1: it'll just be kind of a, a a evening of stories and songs and um i'll just kind of weave in a lot of So a lot of what we've been talking about just where God has taken me and how these songs have become sort of the soundtrack of, of my journey too.
0: Yes. I'm so excited for that. And it's going to be a smaller crowd and it's benefiting his daughter's house in Mm -hmm. Collinsville, Oklahoma. So super excited for that, Nicole. So Mm -hmm. I just, uh, I thank you for this time, just for your voice, just everything. Nicole, you've been awesome. And I'm excited for this. I'm
1: thrilled. Uh, Thanks for the great conversation. I loved getting to chat a bit.
0: Absolutely. All right. We'll wrap up thanks for joining us this week for the podcast everything nicole and i talked about can be found on the episode transcript where i'll have all the links up for you at herstoryspeaks.com you'll also find the link to purchase tickets to see nicole in concert this weekend october 26th in tulsa oklahoma Not only will it be an incredible evening with Nicole, but 100% of the ticket sales go to benefit his daughter's house, which I featured in the very first podcast episode of Her Story Speaks. I'd love to see you there at the concert this weekend.